Yes, sir. Oh, listen to that. I was listening to a classic. A classic. Ashley McIsaac from Nova Scotia, Canada. What a great... What a great way to... uh, What a great way to reminisce on my 90s. Music-wise, in the 90s, uh, I'm going to stop it because I don't want to get flagged on on YouTube for uh, <clears throat> for using music that's not mine, but um, much respect to uh, Ashley McIsaac from Nova Scotia, Canada. And uh, hey, you know what? I might actually reach out and see if I can't get him on my podcast. Sorry, that was my phone. I'm going to lower my volume. How's everybody doing? My name is Marty. Welcome to the Good Vibes Podcast for another edition this week. Riding solo again, uh, having a little bit of, uh, what what would you call that, I guess, uh, scheduling issues with some of my guests, but it's not a big deal because everybody's kind of lined up, but we just haven't been able to uh, make it happen in the last couple weeks. I've been really... Uh, kind of, uh, you know, busier than usual uh, uh, lately as well and preoccupied with a few things and and so, uh, you know, just making sure to, to keep being regular on the podcast, uh, whether I had guests or not, but uh, we're going to have some pretty fun guests coming up um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of uh, different genres of people too, like different from different fields, you know, um, talking uh, wilderness survival, uh, people that have been, uh, you know, that fly freaking fighter jets and other people that, uh, that uh, one, one lady that I'm, uh, that I'm about to confirm with, you know, uh, runs a, a bear uh, shelter to um, basically uh, recondition uh, young bears and prepare them to be released in the wild again in BC, Canada. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun guests, cool guests. Uh, I do have a French episode coming up too in a couple weeks uh, with a psychologist. We'll be talking about mental health, sexual, uh, you know, sexual mental health, sexual violence in in teens and stuff like that and you know it's funny because i i was giving a conference this weekend in um well up north here in new brunswick and uh had uh, a great conversation with that actual uh psychologist that's going to be on the program for the french uh for the french episode coming up i'm going to be uh trying to do one french episode per month so um she'll be my my first episode actually uh for uh for the french ones and just because i am a francophone i'm i'm very proud of being french and francophone acadian um and uh you know my my mother tongue i guess my 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 actual first language is french but living in moncton new brunswick super bilingual city and uh uh, you know, I grew up, you know, just uh, talking uh, French and English just about 
half and half, uh, the friends on the street and the neighborhood and et cetera, et cetera. A lot of them were English. So we, we learned English pretty quickly at probably four, three, four years old. I learned, started learning English, how to communicate. And, uh, since then, you know, I just never, it never really phased me. It was, it was, it's kind of a cool advantage to have both languages. So I plan on, um, releasing one episode but anyways her and I were chatting in this conference that we were attending uh this weekend and that I was speaking at and um we're chatting about the teens right now and how there's a lot of uh that you know quote-unquote sexual violence or you know assault and stuff like that 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 goes on um either on social medias or in you know in person um in reality but uh a lot of that stuff's been going on now uh, for uh, years. And with all of the accessibility to sex, and I'm talking about pornographic sites and this and that and everything, um, the accessibility to, to adult sex and adult you know, sexual positions and all this and all that and just the cruelty and the, the, the crudity, how would you say that? the the cruel the cruel nature sometimes of how uh some people can act sexually towards each other or towards another human being and often young teenage men uh can be overwhelming and overpowering and it can stress uh put a lot of stress on making decisions and pressure on uh, the other party, whether it be a, a man or a woman. And also, you know, I'm sure there is some some uh, of that that exists on, on the flip side too. You know, some girls are probably too aggressive sexually at a certain age, and but we see it most commonly in men. And just recently, just to give an example, like we've had, you know, a few kids uh, and a few issues that have come up through uh, Hockey Canada uh, that had some issues with sexual violence and se sexual acts that were considered assaults, even, you know, use the term rape in some cases, possibly gang rape. And, uh, you know, at that point, uh, this was a few years ago, but these were all teenage boys, you know, in, in, in the Hockey Canada program. And then uh, most recently, uh, given the fact that I'm a huge Habs fan, Montreal Canadiens, the hockey, the NHL hockey team, um, you know, uh, they drafted a player last year who had been charged and accused of, and he admitted to having uh, acted, um, you know, in a in in a uh, in a way that was not accepted. And that was not right uh, sexually towards another uh, female, uh, Logan Mayu. And uh, since then, I mean, obviously, when, when they drafted him, you know, the team being a historic franchise and, and uh, being, you know, the, the, the pinnacle franchise, one of the most pinnacle franchises of the world in, in all sports, um, you know, there was a lot of backlash about that that draft choice and picking a guy who had had issues, um, in the past, but we're talking about a 15 or 16 year old guy, maybe 17, but 
We're talking about teenage boys here in situations where they have not been sensibilized or taught differently. They have not been um, uh, taught also what is right from wrong, what is not accepted, what is too far, um, especially in the social media realm, because we're talking about a new, unprecedented generation here and uh, a generation who who has access from birth to just about anything and everything uh, given the fact that unless you know their parents are really strictly monitoring and and, and being extra careful for, extra careful on what their children can um, can see but even then you can be as careful as you want and you can put all the barricades and the boundaries you want. If your kid wants to smoke dope, he's going to smoke dope, ladies and gentlemen. And if your kid wants to drink, he's going to fucking drink, ladies and gentlemen. All the parents out there who are trying to be tight ass and trying to put all these boundaries and control every single movement that their children is making, you are not helping your situation. You are not helping their situation by trying to control them. you got to let them do things and deci make decisions in their own way. And then they need to either reap the rewards or suffer the consequences of their decisions. You can only show them to a certain point the right way installing them the right values as per what your values are your principles what is right from wrong you can only do your best but if your child is going to commit a sexual act and he's he's gonna go uh, go ahead with with things that are considered quote-unquote adult things and adulting i guess and in some cases, even if adults would act in that way, uh, they they would be, you know, charged or reprimanded or whatever, called out. But especially when it comes down to, to the sexual nature, to sex, which is an instinct. We are human, we are animals, and it is an instinct to need and want sex uh relief all of that there's no question there there is no question that it's an instinct a human instinct however some people use that instinct in the wrong ways whether it be young boys older men women younger girls i don't hear a whole lot of story about young girls being overpowering sexually towards a young man but again that's also probably has a lot to do with the fact that no man's going to complain when he's being overpowered by uh sexually by by a girl his age or you know uh, whatever you know a little younger a little older now where there's an issue is when there's a minor and uh and an adult and all those things i mean we know we know we know what society accepts and doesn't. However, though, we don't have all the keys and all the thing, the the policies or the rules 
quote unquote, in place for the unprecedented rush of uh, the of the social media that has in the last 15 years, let's say, literally taken up, you know, a huge part of everybody's life in society. So therefore, you have all these apps, options, you know, from literally the non non sexual, you know, the non sorry, the non um, intention sites like Instagram, which are only social media sites, but from Insta to Facebook to Snapchat to you're talking, there's a lot of things going on there that are not right. Now, there's a lot of things going on there that aren't right on the adult side too. But, and I've always looked at it as, you know, social media, what it became, it became a great gateway for anybody who wants to live a double, triple, or quadruple life. It's easy to get trapped into uh, certain behaviors, to temptation, and then all of a sudden, you know, people are monitoring how many likes they have, how many comments. If, if they make a comment or if they are a person that posts and they get a lot of results out of it, it gives them a sense of empowerment and a sense of power that feel like they are on top of the world. And then that whole rush that is going on in your mind and in your, in your body chemically is giving you uh, the reasons to go outside of the perimeters of what it would be considered legal or, or right, humanly right. And that's a legit fact. I mean, I'm talking here literally, I'm getting going on a heavy topic right, right off the bat, and that, that wasn't my intention, but it's just funny how this conference this weekend led to so many interesting conversations, and they are literally working their asses off right now. A lot of professionals in the mental health field, so we're talking psychologists, counselors, school, uh, school, school administrations, like, they are working tirelessly right now to implement some sort of initiatives um, that can educate, that can educate and that can uh, create that dialogue uh, for uh, the young generation that is kind of living in, 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 in a realm or in a in a dynamic that has never existed before with this whole accessibility to everything right off the bat. And so what's happening, you know, on those general, what I was talking, the general social media sites like the Instagrams and Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all those, a lot of, a lot of shit's happening there. But then you go one step further, you're, you're running into these dating apps, uh, you know, Tinder and all that stuff, which people are literally just going there, you know, for, for a lot of people are literally just going there to get laid and or to find, you know, a uh, sexual partner to dance with that night. Um, then you got all kinds of temptation there and options. And in that not everyone plays within the same perimeters and the same rules. So then you will find people that are acting in strange behaviors or that are, have fucked up fantasies or fucked up behaviors when it comes 
to sex. So we were talking about that all, all, all well, not all weekend, but we, we spoke about that, and it really struck me how it blew me away what she was telling me, the psychologist was telling me, about what is actually some of the things that are going on in society these days with young people. So we need to educate, we need to inform, we need to prevent, not only prevent for the victims, but also prevent for the assailants and the assaulters because some of these kids, some of these boys, some of these kids, they probably don't even, like I'm going to give Logan Mayu this hockey player because he's been on the forefront, but an example um, of, of what he did was sharing, you know, I think nude photos of, of somebody, uh, a girl, and uh, within, uh, you know, his contacts and stuff like that. Anyways, it spread out, and then it was discovered that he did that, and then it was like, that's a fucking problem, right? But that kid probably at that point just thought, you know, he's running on, on adrenaline, on testosterone, on ego. Um, you know, he, he's not thinking straight. He's thinking with the, you know, with the wrong head, like we say, and he's really just, he, he, he did something very wrong and he fully admitted to it. And, uh, he realized to what point that shit like that cannot happen. Um, so you got to think about that and think about like how a lot of these young kids, they, they don't know better. So it creates not only a victim, but it also creates um, a victim of his own actions on the other side, where his actions weren't reflected, they weren't uh, they weren't uh, educated, thought out. There wasn't any, you know, pre sensibilization like pre pre uh, you know introductions to 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 all of this, you know, existence of sexual predation and sexual assault and, and, and things, uh, sexual violence, sexual aggressivity that's going on in, um, in our society right now. And it's super easy when you're on social media to talk big games and to, you know, to, to be tough or to be aggressive or to have a, an approach that you not always would have that you're maybe in a moment at home kid might be horny and he's fucking you know thinking all kinds of weird thoughts and all of a sudden he's throwing he's throwing shit you know and trying to get and all of a sudden he's getting photos and oh he gets excited and he didn't wants to show his boys that shit cannot go on that stuff cannot happen but a lot of these kids are not ready to deal with this stuff and so they deal with it in the wrong fucking way. And then what happens? They become, they become the accused, the assaultee, or the assaulter, sorry. <laughs> and uh, they get in trouble, you know. And uh, these kids are, are young. And it's in some cases, I'm sure, can ruin their fucking life uh, for a long time because we're talking you know criminal records and stuff like that so it was a super interesting conversation so i will be having uh that psychologist on my french episode which will be coming i think we're recording on the 21st of october so yeah pretty soon i think at the end of this week uh or next week uh start of next week so um 
because right now we are the 17th. So let me go check. <laughs> we are the 17th, the 21st. Yeah, Friday. Friday. Perfect. I think that's... No, sorry, the 27th I'm recording. So next Thursday. So it'll be my first episode probably that I will release on the 1st of November. Which I will still release in English episode that week uh, either with another guest or with myself so I hope things are going good with you guys uh, things have been uh, a little rocky for me I I'm not gonna lie to you guys I'm not gonna sit here and, and act as if uh, everything's uh, rainbows and butterflies and uh, that uh, I'm uh, you know I've been super excited or anything like that the last few weeks have been a little tough we made some some tough decisions, some tough calls in uh, in life lately, and uh, it's hard to to live with those decisions, and it's also hard to to just follow through on some of the decisions, and um, so it's created in me some anxiety, uh, some um, some low energy days. I'm out of the loop with my exercise. I'm getting fat again and I hate to bring that up because my daughter has a my daughter's not here right now but she does have an eating disorder and I want to respect anybody and everybody that have eating disorders and but I also want to admit that I have an eating disorder and my eating disorder is overeating emotional eating a binge eating and my my uh eating disorder manifests itself uh, and I am triggered by stress uh, I was triggered by by uh, low energy, uh, it being being anxious, which you know all relates to stress. And uh, lately, um, I have been that exactly that. And since my heart surgery, which was in February, which I mean, of course, I was going to take a month or two to kind of bounce back and whatever, and not get too too crazy physically. But since my heart surgery, everything has gone the wrong way for me for health and by my own doing. So I'm very frustrated at myself lately. And I'm disappointed that I've gotten back to where I started three years ago when I started a health journey. It wasn't a diet. It wasn't a, a uh, you know, a, a some sort of... <clears throat> um crash you know crash diet or anything like that it was really just wanting to intentionally live a better life a healthier life my objective was to of course eat better nutrition wise like eat better nutrients and have a better uh all around nutrition make better decisions yes at the time i had uh wanted to well, I adhered to the whole calorie deficit, quote unquote, program, which is not a program, but it's just a basically a way of living and making sure that if you stay within the calories that you allow yourself, say, for instance, in my case, 2,400 calories a day, and you don't blow the budget every day, and that you keep it as tight as possible, that you are going to lose weight and feel healthy. Now, with that, some people talk about saying, you know, consume your 2,400 calories whichever way you want. So you can eat fucking, if you want to eat glazed crullers in your local, you know, donut shop, 
uh, and you want to eat 2,400 calories of it every day, well, then you can do that as long as you don't go over. But for me, it's more about like it was more about eating cleaner, eating better. And I'm not saying by any means that I was 100% clean or that I was 100%, you know, I tried my best. I did my best and the results came. And healthy living was also like walking and starting to exercise. So for me, it was like minimum 60 minutes a day. I am doing something physical. I also quit smoking cigarettes. And this is three years ago. All right, guys. So right at the start of the pandemic, I was listening to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan was talking with Dr. Patrick, Rhonda Patrick. I was going to say Danica Patrick, but that was the... the um, race car driver female race car driver but uh you know he was talking to Rhonda patrick and they were talking about the importance of your health and the importance of not smoking and the importance of this and that and this and that and having been a kid that in at four weeks old went into heart failure uh at birth uh, well basically at birth at four weeks old and then had you know a series of surgeries uh which included five open heart surgeries in my life and uh well for me it it was important when i heard this and joe rogan does have a big influence on me i'm sure i'm not the only one a lot of people love joe rogan and they love the joe rogan experience and not necessarily agree with every single thing he says because sometimes you know like anybody else like any other human uh he's only human so some things he he says sometimes that i don't necessarily always always agree but for the most part honestly he makes a lot of sense to me he brings a lot of uh resonance uh he 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 um he resonates with me okay and um so um when he had that meeting in that episode with Rona patrick the doctor this was right at the start of the pandemic i was literally flying in from ottawa that week and i i believe i still believe to this day that i caught that i caught covid that week my myself and my business partner at the time which is still my business partner and my music partner but uh we were out there to do some shows and on the way back we were both run down but my friend was actually he'd never been this sick in his life it lasted like 10 days and he kept telling me, like, I don't know what I caught there, but I have never felt this shitty in my life. You know, high high temperatures, feeling like crap, and uh, huge cold. So, you know, oh, blah, 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 blah. sorry, I'm not tired. I just, I was, I was glancing outside, and it's like all the fall colors outside and everything. I was just kind of got in the vibe as I was talking and I got a yawn so hopefully I didn't make you yawn but if I did maybe you uh maybe it felt good maybe you needed it but anyways my buddy got COVID which we think caught COVID that week it was really during that time which it started coming out and people were traveling and this and that and things were spreading and we were in Ottawa Canada and uh we uh I feel like we we all we both caught it that that weekend but anyways Rhonda Patrick was talking about health and the importance of walking or doing exercise and staying healthy to fight to combat against COVID you know 
because at the time and what we've seen with multiple reports since is that most people that are dying are either older, pretty old, uh, or people, the young ones that were dying of COVID initially and still since were mostly people that were had pre-existing conditions. Obesity being one of them, smokers being another one of them, and uh, not being in shape, uh, all this and all that. So for my case, which I had a heart problem to begin with, I was obese. I was 200 and, or no, no, no. When I started, I was 304 fucking motherfucking pounds. I'm sorry for my language, but if you guys knew how frustrated I was to be fat, sick, and heading towards, you know, being dead. Um, hey, yeah, there's a documentary, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, something like that. Well, that's how I felt, man, and girl, <laughs> man and woman. Uh, it was not dressing up to be a, 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 a good journey for me if I was not going to try to get in shape. So I did. So I did. I started getting in shape. 304 pounds. I started dancing, guys. I started dancing in my fucking basement to music for an hour. I would film myself on TikTok. I would film myself to document. And I just would do it every day. And I started changing my, my uh, nutrition bit by bit. Eventually was introduced to calorie deficit by my girlfriend, Paris, which I had heard of before because, you know, there's a great weight loss, uh, your way weight loss in, uh, in my area, which, which is a, a, like a, a group, a business, an organization who supports people and in losing weight. But they, they really encourage, you know, uh, calorie deficit as being the, the, the pinnacle or the golden, the, you know, the magic wand to kind of put put this uh, process and the project of being living a healthier life together for uh, for people. So um, I started doing that, and after like a month of dancing, I started taking walks. And at first, I was really nervous. I was going for walks, and I wouldn't venture too far from home. Funnily, funny enough, like. It's it's weird how you set your boundaries when you're anxious and when you're fearful of something. And walking, for some people, believe it or not, is very scary going for a one-hour walk. A lot of people feel like they can't do it. A lot of people feel like, oh, shit, my, my, my legs, my back's going to hurt, my... My lungs, are they going to be able to handle it? Da, da, dee, da, da, da. There's so many reasons and so many excuses one can give themselves to, you know, to stay home in front of the TV. And uh, so I just started pushing myself more and more. And uh, those walks would turn into, you know, two from two kilometers to three kilometers to 3.5 to four so one day, you know, I was like, oh, I'm brave today. I'm feeling fucking. And then I'd end up doing like nine or 10 kilometers. 
but it was always regularly roughly around three to three point five, and then once in a while a random like peak, you know, and I'd I'd go eight or nine, and eventually ended up settling on five kilometers every day, minimum, minimum, which I did consistently for a solid eighteen months. Quit smoking. Better nutrition. Man, I was feeling, guys, I was feeling amazing. I started at 304 pounds. And in June, so this, sorry, so this was February 2020. All right. Till June 2021. So one year and four months. 16 months, I lost 70 some pounds, 70 to 75 pounds. I was down, my my lightest was, I believe, was 234 pounds. Because I literally said, oh my God, this is 70 pounds. So yeah, 70 pounds. And uh, I... You know, I pushed myself. I I worked I worked hard to get there, and in June, my father landed in the hospital. This was in 2021. My father landed in the hospital again because he had had some heart issues later in his life. Uh, and uh, when uh, he he landed in the hospital in June of 2021, he ended up staying there for uh, about a month. And then he came out and he was able to enjoy a little bit of the summer. But we that, that one hospital stay was a huge scare. He had been induced in a coma for three days when he came in. He had cirrhosis of the liver, which was brought on by just way too much drinking. And uh, it's really unfortunate, but uh, that's what mental health does sometimes. It pushes you to uh, create addictions or to find crutches. And this here situation since he had had a cardiac arre- cardiac arrest back in 2015 uh, uh this was like five five and a half years later he started having issues again like with his uh with his heart and his condition and but the reason why is because after his cardiac arrest instead of getting mental health help and instead of trying to treat and deal and <clears throat> find somehow find balance my father decided to opt out um and uh to turn to just you know having a drink quote unquote a drink or two you know every day and enjoy retirement the guy was 72 fuck you can't blame him or 71 whatever he was at that time you can't fucking blame him but at the same time he had been very sick and a big cause of his uh illness had been because the, uh, you know, maybe from 2010 to 2015, there was, there was uh, you know, after he retired, I felt like he, he, he took up, he didn't have any hobbies per se, other than cooking and cleaning. He was a great cook and he cooked for the family. Like he would cook meals for myself and my family. And then with, he would cook meal, a meal for my sister and her family. And he'd just drop us off the meals. Like after a work day, our work days, and he'd be like, all right, I made you supper. Like, you know, here you go. Meatballs and potatoes and or meatballs and rice and veggies or 
lasagna or you know what I mean? He always made a couple of nice fucking dishes that could serve our family. And that was his like his pastime. But the thing is, is he didn't have anything else other than being in food, which drove his emotions crazy because he was emotionally driven by food as well. He had a huge eating disorder binge eating crash diets uh emotional eating uh oh my i mean name it you know all on the perspective of or the um what do you call it i guess uh what would i call it uh just all on the on on the fact on the perspective i guess or i'm trying to find a fucking word but my french is getting in the way here uh but uh the spectrum sorry all on the spectrum of the the eating disorder that is too too much eating you know not the one that's the ones that are in the less eating or not eating or my father was really driven on emotion on eating 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 his emotions and he would make messes of food sometimes like which we took up the habits of, you know, using it to deal with our emotions. I mean, I remember as a kid, this is a, this is a funny uh, kind of a side note, but as a kid, like, I used to play ball hockey, like, fucking 10 hours a day in the summer or even in the winter and spring and fall, but uh, I'd be outside, like, either playing hockey, ball hockey or playing real hockey on ponds or playing baseball or football, and I was just all sports, and I loved it, right? And uh, I was a ADHD, I was hyper, so my kids, my parents, they loved, you know, the fact that I was out there playing and burning energy. Can't blame them. And then I'd come in for meals. So I'd have my breakfast in the morning, and then I'd go out and fucking hang out and stuff. And then I'd come back for lunch, maybe take an hour at home, chill out, watch a show or something, whatever, and then leave again for the afternoon, come back for supper maybe grab a snack in the afternoon once in a while. Well, the snack part was pretty interesting because most of the time, uh, you know, um, my snacks weren't healthy <laughs> because that's not how we were taught. So um, my snacks consisted of, uh, you know, a lot of things that you know, like salt and vinegar stuff, uh, chips or uh, uh, cheese and cracker, which is not at the end of the day, but I would sit down on the curb roadside you know, about to play hockey again, and I had, like, a cube of cheese with a knife that I was, like, just cutting pieces of cheese and eating. Well, like, it should have been, like, an apple and a knife, and then that way, you know, I would have been healthier and had better um, habits because you create micro habits that are hard, uber hard to break in time because how do you break them and how do you reverse them is by creating micro habits, of the good kind. But man, cheese is way better than apples. You get what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, um, for me, like, you know, chips, uh, stuff like that, chip and dip or whatever, you know, all those things, it was better than the, the, the alternate options. And I never thought of it in any other way because that's just the way that we were taught. And that's just the way that my father was too. So, uh, he would eat his emotions, and he kind of passed that on to us. Doesn't mean that my, ba my dad didn't pass on any good stuff to us. He's passed on a shitload of good values and good things for us. And that we learned 
some of them we needed to learn the hard way sometimes, but just because I, I had a, uh, I need to live it to believe it or to feel it or to learn from it. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of mentality. I've always had that mentality. My sister was a bit more, you know, kind of a grade A student and, uh, you know, always kind of took advice and processed it definitely better than I did. So, but she did, I'm sure, well, I know that she, uh, she did do make some mistakes and have some bad choices and stuff like that. And, uh, excuse me, a lot of those things were, you know, um, were brought on by the way that we were raised, but. As parents, we all do the best that we can. And my parents did exactly that with the tools and everything that they had from their life. And honestly, like, for the most part, my life was a fucking great life. So I was lucky and blessed. But yeah, my father, turns out my father ended up uh, in the hospital in June 2021, just to get back to my story. And then the summer kind of went by. My father was feeling ill. He needed, at that point, he needed like a little um, scooter, like a sit-down scooter to get around and stuff like that. He had no, he was losing a lot of his strength. He was depressed because obviously my father really loved cooking and cleaning and holding the fort. And that was like his strength and his force and his qualities and and his uh, passion too, because he loved cooking and cleaning. Honestly, he he loved organizing and stuff. So when he lost the abilities of being able to do that as easily or comfortably as he used to, it, it fucking brought him even down even more, right? So anyway, June goes by. He comes out of the hospital early July. July goes by. Beautiful weather out here in July, August. You know what I mean? So he had his little scooter going around the fucking neighborhood and this and that and whatever. Every once in a while, though, he would kind of run into the same problems of having alcohol. We'd find a bottle of alcohol in, in the apartment, you know, where him and my mom were. We'd find uh, bottles of alcohol had been delivered by cab. Somebody would tell us. or He was hiding it, and he it's the only thing he knew. That would make him better each day was drinking. So he ended up having a cirrhosis of the liver a couple, three, two, three times. And at the end of January, of August, um, we lost our, our dog, a beautiful nine-year-old dog who was just like, she was like an autistic dog. She was like, she was definitely on a spectrum. Like she would watch a fucking speck of light reflective light from outside or the sun or whatever or shadows she would watch them for literally hours upon hours you know she would she could sit in the living room and stare at a speck of light coming in from a reflection of the sun for like 45 minutes straight without moving just staring at the speck of light and it, if it had a little shake in it or a little move, you know, if it moved or if, if a car would pass by and it would cut the shadow, like anything, it would like, you know, trip her out and then she'd be looking for it. Oh, all of a sudden it came back. She would just stop moving and just stare at it. 
but she had so much love to give and to receive and she was just a love she was just love she was filled filled with love and happiness and you know what it is dogs are just amazing creatures and they can bring out the best in you they can bring out the shitty side of you once in a while but they can bring out the best of you and uh you know you get attached of course so you know after nine years you're pretty much attached and you you've had a a lot of uh, amazing experiences with your dog good or bad so um she passed away in august we she started acting weirdly one day and then we kind of monitored her we went for a walk she wasn't able to finish the walk she always loved walking she needed to find shade like it was warm you know we're talking 30 between 30 and 35 degrees celsius um which is upper 80s lower 90s fahrenheit so i mean it was a warm day type of thing we'd always bring a little bowl of water and shit like that uh we'd always make sure to find some shade and we'd sometimes cut our walks a little shorter just uh just so they didn't get too too overheated and stuff like that so we were careful and we never had seen any signs of struggles or stuff like that with either one of our two dogs bella or jazz but uh that day uh jazz was acting funny and she she actually found shade under a tree in the middle of our walk and she sat down under the tree and just huffing and puffing and she did not want to get up like to leave she just stayed in the shade and wanted to just cool down and and breathe so i gave her a few minutes and whatnot and then eventually i ended up uh leaving again and luckily i was literally just turning the corner and 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 walking uh maybe let's say uh two three hundred feet and my girlfriend's apartment was right there so I brought her in, air conditioned, gave her water and everything and everything, but we started noticing that she was struggling with panting and breathing. So we kept an eye on her, and she ended up uh, really downgrading quickly. So we were like, all right, we got we to gotta go in and get her, get her checked. Things aren't going right, whatever. And So we brought her to the vet, and the vet did an X-ray, a few checks. Like the first thing, as soon as she seen her, she's like, yeah, I don't like her color. I'm like, how can you see a dog's color? But I guess it's like inside the mouth, inside the lips and whatever they can check. And, you know, vets, they know. Any vet with experience, with experience uh, definitely knows. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Pole, <laughs> which is a veterinarian on TV and uh, a great one at that. And he's also like a farm vet, so... He deals with uh, domestic and, and, and some wild animals and then some farm animals. But anyways, super informative and educational uh, series, Dr. Pohl. And uh, it's clear by seeing how the vets work that they are not only passionate, intelligent, but they are also have that instinct of experience. And uh, the vet could tell. She said, if first, first sight, she says, we can do an x-ray. But the first sight that, that I get, the first feeling I get right off the bat by looking at her and by, by assessing, 
She says, I think she has cancer and she's dying. So we're like, well, we're going to do the x-ray anyways. We're going to pay that extra 200 bucks just to find out and to make sure. But who wouldn't, right? Right. I mean, you're not just going to put your 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 uh, dog down on an opinion or on a, a guess, quote unquote, you know, or on an evaluation, even though, you know, you know that they know. But you're not going to not slap that buck 60 or 200 bucks down to say, let's do the x-ray and find out. So we did. And literally an hour later, they, they kept her there and whatever they called me. And they said, yeah, no, she's, uh, she's got a huge lung cancer and this and that, the other thing, whatever. So, so August, uh, I believe, uh, August 28th is when we lost her. It was really, no, 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 no. August 20th, we lost her. Paris. I was going to ask my girlfriend. I'm doing the podcast in my living room again today. Uh, didn't feel like going down to my studio or office because or, I had to set up upstairs. What date was it that we lost Jazz again? August 20th? 28th. So August 28th, uh, you know, she passes away. Thank you. Love you. And um, if you guys haven't heard the first uh, episode, um, which is the last episode we just did, episode six or seven, uh, I did an episode with Paris, my girlfriend, Paris. Uh, feel free to check it out. Um, she's fun. We have a lot of laughs and good times, but also great convos. And she'll be joining me uh, quite often to 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 do an episode so uh you know whenever she's available and she feels like it i told her i want you uh, to join me and she brings a, a fun dynamic she's got a viral laugh and i love making her laugh and she loves to laugh at my silliness and and craziness and uh yeah so anyways uh all that to come back to jazz she passed away on the 28th so do the deed you put her down you do this do that you know 1100 bucks later you the deed is done and uh you got your little box with the ashes because your kids wanted them and they asked for it and it was special and you know at the end of the day you put in the package 11 1200 bucks and it's done and it's really sad to put your dog down but then it's also very equal very equally sad to pay 1200 bucks to put your dog down but that's what it is and uh and by the time i mean we had to pay for the x-ray for the appointments and da 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 so it wasn't 1200 bucks to put her down but the whole you know the whole total bill was uh i think 11 or 1200 bucks it's it's a little pricey but uh it's what it is when you have an animal and that you love them and you care for them you'll just about do anything so um we did that and so our little a little uh, jazz was gone to doggy heaven, and now we just have Bella, which is lying on the floor right now <laughs> looking at me. And Bella, good girl, yeah. And uh, it's a golden doodle. They both were. And then we ended up getting another dog uh, that we named Galley, a little Yorkie Poo, which is just adorable, and I love him so much. She's a little brat, but... I love them a lot, and we share them from one whole one run. Well, we share them 
from one household to another. So Krista and I, my ex-wife, which I spoke about in a previous episode, we separated three years ago about-ish, and uh, and uh, we remained friends, and we were able to blend the family, and we share the dogs, and uh, we also, uh, you know, the kids bounce from their pla- her place to mine, to ours, and uh, we just have a good relationship with her putties, gets along with her great, and uh, we kind of work well as a team all together. And uh, Chris and I, this, it was something that we really wanted to do is to remain friends, even, you know, become s- in some ways, you know, best friends, uh, including putties. Uh, it wasn't easy to start with. It wasn't easy to get there. But I'll tell you, after a solid uh, six months to a year of, of kind of just all chipping away at it and putting our our efforts in it and whatever, it, it just worked out and Putties and Krista were able to develop a pretty solid friendship that even like sometimes I'm not even aware of their friendship because they're talking on on their own terms and on their own time. So I think it's a great thing. And we're able to share some responsibilities, again, like the dogs and and help each other out in, in different ways. So um, so Gally is most of the time living at Krista's and but he does come here very often i would say i have him we have him here on average a minimum of two days a week like in all you know he he comes a lot so uh uh, but it's always nice when he leaves but it's great to have him here because i just love 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 that little shit we named him galley and the reason we named him galley is because Brendan Gallagher, which is number 11, an assistant captain on the Montreal Canadiens, was and is my son's favorite player of all times for the Habs. I mean, he grew up with them, you know. Uh, galley has been there 10 or 11 seasons, and Jacob's 17 now. So from the age of 6, 7 years old, he was watching Galley, and he met, he met him a few times. The hockey player... Just recently met him again, uh, like two weeks ago, uh, in our hometown, which uh, the Habs uh, played a game uh, close by in an arena close by to my our hometown here, my hometown. So um, he met him again, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's the reason why we call him Galley, and because you know Gallagher, the player, is a feisty player with high energy, a lot of courage, and a lot of you know, a lot of uh, oomph, you know. He's got drive, and he's not afraid of getting in his nose dirty in, the, in traffic and hockey and in the front of the net and getting pushed around and hit. And So uh, we, we love his feistiness. We love his approach to the game, his heart. And he is our favorite player. I mean, he's my favorite player as well. He's been for uh, a solid 10 years since he started so we named our dog after our favorite hockey player, which the name went well with the dog. So my daughter and Krista and them were, were all accepting of the name because they're not as big fans as Jacob and I are of the Habs and stuff. Like they're, you know, they're, they're cheerful for us and they'll cheer once in a while, but they're not like super intense on the teams. 
but they they loved the name galley and how it kind of fit with uh the little runt that we had picked up <laughs> which uh which is uh far from being a little runt he's just such a little sweetheart but he's funny and just like any puppy and you know he's like 18 months now so old so he's starting uh starting to clue in and be a little bit more trained so but anyways um it wasn't really to replace bella it was just to help my daughter uh and my son and uh, cope a little bit with uh with the situation and create another dog that could possibly become a family kind of uh, support dog uh sort of the same way that jazz and bella uh, which is still alive bella is still alive but the same way that Jazz was and that Bella is. And they're very just supportive dogs and they they um let themselves be uh handled, you know. You can shake them around, play around, lie in bed, they'll lie with you like they're 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 really awesome dogs. So twenty eighth of August, Jazz passes away. Uh Time goes by, the little funeral or whatever we had, everything. And anyways, no less than, uh, you know, 17, 18 days later, my dad, on on September 14th, my dad passes away. He has a bad bout there for a day or so and then uh, ends up in the hospital and he just ends up uh, calling it quits, which at that point I didn't blame him because he was... He didn't have a quality of life anymore, but that was fucking tough, you know, losing your pops and losing the the core of the family. Anyways, that was September 14th, so we go through all the process, and remember, this is COVID time, so it's even more complicated, as we all know. And uh, after that, on November 4th, uh, my ex-mother-in-law, so Krista's mother, which had lived with us in the house for she had been living there now for like eight years seven years and so when i was there she was living with us and then once i left she was still living there with krista and the kids so she was a part of the part of the package you know part of the household part of the energy part of the heartbeats beating in inside that house and so in some many ways she was a big part because she would help out she would do little things she had copd so she was limited because her lungs and breathing weren't always dead on especially on like muggy days or stuff like that she would struggle a bit more but in most part you know uh she kept you know she kept to herself and kept relaxed and and then uh at least once a day she she would help out with something either doing the dishes or or making a supper or something. But we lost her on November. Did I say November 4th? I think it was November 18th. <clears throat> you know, dates uh, dates don't usually come uh, quickly in my brain. Uh, I go, I just, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't memorize those dates. But anyways, I think it was November 18th. So we're talking, you know, three heartbeats gone within three months. What does that do to a child who has just been confronted by a worldwide scary pandemic? 
and we are still in the middle of it. And we had to see, we had to, to witness, you know, uh, three important pieces of our family uh, pass away. So with all that said, uh, my daughter started struggling and all this and all of that uh, with her anxiety, OCD, depression, and then came uh, her eating disorder, which is anorexia. So add to that the stresses of life, the finances, the, with all the mortalities and all this and all that and all this and all that, the separation, which was an adjustment. And I burnt myself out in the long run. And I, the journey that I was on that brought me that 234 through to 235 pounds uh, was slowly drifting away with emotional eating and saying, oh, well, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Like, I'm just, I'm going to be on a little binger here, there for a minute and I'll turn around and turn it around, you know. But it never did turn around because there was always something else giving me reasons to drink, quote unquote, the Kool-Aid, meaning drink the Porsche, the potion, drink the potion of, of bad behavior. You know what I mean? Uh, eating, eating too much, like literally just, just, just overeating and being in my head and then regretting it and struggling. And look, it, it wasn't good. And I tried to hold it together and help my daughter and, and I did, and we all did, and I think I was good for a solid year, year and a half, until just recently again, I kind of, I kind of crashed. I knew I put, you know, 40 pounds on in the last year-ish, year to 18 months, and that I was no longer, you know, as agile as I used to be, uh, no longer able or no longer doing the exercises with my heart surgery and stuff. It was giving me worry, but yet it worried me that I was gaining weight and not getting continuing my life journey. So all in all in all in all to explain um, that period of time was very difficult on me and it drained a lot of the energy that I was putting aside to help my daughter or to help myself and I was never able to put it, put it together. And so about a month ago, about a month ago, maybe two, I started realizing how immensely drained I had become. I looked at Paris one day and I said, I have nothing in my tank. I have nothing in my tank in terms of energy in terms of will, in terms of uh, dedication, in terms of goals, objectives, nothing. That is a feeling that is very lonesome and worrying because I have had a couple of depressions in the past that were pretty significant. The last one, especially back in 2015, that lasted two and a half years. 
until I started picking up my pieces and getting in shape and getting feeling good. And all of a sudden, things started to shift and change around, turn around. But there's no comfort in knowing that you have nothing left in your tank to give to your daughter, to your girlfriend, to your family, to your mom, who's been grieving, you know, for a year or so. Although she's functioning really well and she's done really good for herself and she's taken upon uh, herself to, to, to go out and discover and experience and all things that she loves, passion, you know, arts, uh, music, writing, all that stuff. She, she's been implicated. And, uh, but I did still, you know, want to spend time with her. And, uh, anyways, all that to say that, um, it's been a, it's been a rough go. And the last few months, I'm not going to lie. I have had some signs of depression again and I'm okay with it. I'm not panicking. I spoke about it in my conference the other day on Saturday, how like, it's just better to open up, to admit to yourself, and then to try to find, try to set goals and try to f find ways to be productive in small increments, small ways, micro habits, but be consistent. And I'm yet, I have yet to organize that and to figure it out. However, I am consistent on putting out a podcast once a week. I'm also consistent on um, staying uh, staying close to the my music and my my conference, you know, and, and trying to stay dialed in there or trying to stay connected to that. However, I haven't had like a huge load of engagements and opportunities to present uh my show or my conference uh, as of late so it's it's been kind of that i'm still committed i need to find new ways to get out there more i would love to do this love to do that love to do this love to do that but i don't have the energy to put it together if i had somebody helping me put it together it would be huge even with the podcast, if I had somebody giving me a helping hand, but nobody, nobody is listening after one hour and six minutes. I don't think. Maybe one or two of yous, which I truly appreciate. But that's the joys of building a podcast. You have to gain interest. You have to be consistent. You have to give good material, good reasons to stay connected and to come back. And that's what we're, that's what I'm working at. That's what we're working at. Paris is helping me. My daughter Eva is helping me to find the guests, to lock in some guests, which are going to be coming soon. So um, it's all brand new. It's a brand new project. So we don't expect uh, miracles right off the bat. So we're building and I see the numbers and the numbers are okay with me right now because we have consistency. The only thing though is when I look at the retention uh, analytics, um, seeing that not a lot of people make it to the end of an episode. I personally love to start an episode, start listening to an episode like of Joe Rogan or whatever, whoever, and finishing an episode. 
because it all ties itself together. If you listen to a quarter or half and you branch out, come back to it later and reconnect to what was going on, sort of like an ebook or whatever, you know? Uh, but, you know, that's how I operate and that's how I do it because I listen to podcasts on a regular basis, whether I'm in the woods, whether I'm walking, whether I'm driving, whether I'm going to bed at night sometimes, listen to podcasts. It's no, no better way. It, it's instructive, educational. It gives another perspective. And uh, it's fun. It's, it's fun to listen to. A lot of times I have good laughs uh, because, uh, you know, either the guests are funny or the podcaster is funny. So, yeah, you know, and I do listen to mine because I love to analyze how I lay it out and how I come come in, you know, my approach come come off as a a MC or a, a host of a podcast, not an MC, a host. So I love uh, I love that aspect of it too. When I go to the woods, sometimes I'll tune into my own podcast and just get a feel for it, see how it flows, see what I can correct. It's just fun. I love it. And I encourage anybody to start a podcast if you feel like it or if you have the, you know, if you have the, the knowledge or the gear or, uh, you know, I encourage anybody to start their own podcast. So other than that, last weekend, giving that conference gave me a lot of confidence and it, gave, it brought back a lot of confidence to me. Um, it felt really good. The crowd was amazing, super receptive, standing O at the end. It was really great. My conference really is, um, it was a two hour one as well. So I, I spoke for two hours, spoke and sang because it's a musical conference. So basically, basically it's like, in a sense, there's the aspect of music therapy in there, but there's also the aspect of just sharing a story it's like a testimony an open book testimony open-hearted testimony um of you know certain aspects of my life and how i dealt with them how i came out of them you know in a stronger uh mental state but it doesn't mean that i can't you know fall back or i can't take a few steps back at one point or another because life has brought me there or because my mental health has brought me there or whatever the case may be as long as I recognize and then I utilize some of my tools to get back to finding that balance you know um, and for me I think balance is going to be fully found through structure and discipline so and it's something that I'm not strong on so I'm going to have to be working on that here in the next little while I'll give you updates on how things are going but last weekend was superb giving that conference Tonight, I'm on a radio show. Um, I, I'm a guest on a radio show. And I'm uh, going to be talking about my music career and other things, mu a lot of things music. So that's going to be a lot, whole lot of fun uh, this evening on the radio from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Then I come home and I watch the Habs game. Huge Habs fan, Montreal Canadiens. So uh, I try to catch every single game through a season. Well, it's been an hour and 11 minutes, guys, and, um, uh, you know, I shared a part of me to you today. I hope some of this, some of this, you know, sharing with you, um, 
some of it maybe gives you um, perspective or resonates with you in some ways or you perhaps maybe you you hear or see yourself in uh, some of these scenarios yourself uh, in your life some of my scenarios because we all have a story it's just a different scenario so we all experience a lot of the same issues you know anxiety uh, uh, stress uh, some depression sometimes for some people you know some people don't some people don't get depressed and that's that's good that's all that's amazing and uh you know but we all share kind of the same a lot of the same processes as humans it's just a different context so um we all have a story and i i just always like to remember that because no matter who i'm talking to talking about listening to uh i i always take that into consideration because i think it's it's vitally important that we realize that everyone even the the the, the you know, the person that didn't belong or even the person that's a little sketchy or weird or even that, you know, murderer or everybody's got a story and it comes from somewhere. Their traumas, their issues, um, you know, that comes from somewhere. So at the end of the day, um, humanity is better off in kindness and love, forgiveness and respect. Um until the next time i'm going to send you off on that and i want to send you good vibes if you are struggling please do not give up okay just stick around stay alive and uh you never know how quickly things can turn around for you in a positive way keep pushing for positive and uh, take care of yourself especially all right Give yourself some love and some care. So until next time, this is Marty and uh, thanking you once again to join the Good Vibes podcast. Take good care of yourself. That's the cue. (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks.